Thanks for listening to the CT Podcast, a ministry of Church Triumphant, another opportunity for you to be equipped and encouraged to win, disciple, and send. For further information, go to www.churchtea.org. So let me say this. There's some things, you know, I, I believe the God that we serve is absolutely sometimes unexplainably, and amazingly awesome. I mean, I absolutely believe that. Like, like there's no one like him. Back in the Old Testament, he said, to whom can you compare me? And the answer is to no one, right? And, and, and there's, but I also want to absolutely believe, other than just about him, I want to believe some other things. Maybe you believe these, want to believe these with me. That God is above everything. Am I Right? Because of who he is, because of the power that he has, he's above everything. I want to believe not only is he above everything, he works in the affairs of human beings. That he's not off on the, in the distance somewhere, occupied by something else. I, I absolutely want to believe he's intricately and intimately involved in who we are and in what we're doing. Anybody want, anybody want to believe that? I want to believe that with all my heart, right? I believe sometimes he works on our behalf in very natural ways. And I believe there's some things we take for granted that we don't know are him because life just keeps clicking along and we're not even really paying attention. But I also believe that, he, that he's high above, therefore he's not bound by earthly things. He does things not just ordinarily, he does things extraordinarily. Are you with me? He does things naturally, but he absolutely does things supernaturally. Am I right? Do you believe that? I want to believe that by my heart. I want, I want my life to exhibit that. I also want to experience those things in my life, not just believe them. I want, that, I want those things to happen in and around me, those things that God does that are absolutely extraordinary, the things that he does that, that is absolutely supernatural. I want not just to believe them. I want to experience them. You know, and I have to say, on many occasions, I've experienced that. But I went around the room, some of us could tell about things like, man, without Jesus, that wouldn't even have been possible. Deliverance from addictions and, and, and saving of marriages and, and miraculous financial blessing coming in and healings of diseases and different things. I mean, there, there's all kinds of stories, promotions we shouldn't have gotten and, and just different things like that where God just, wow, it's just, I'm just good, so I'm going to help you out a little bit. And we could tell stories after stories, right? But I also have experienced certain things that have made me skeptical. And people have said things or done things in my life that make me go, I know they're talking for God. I'm not sure that's Him. I know they're using the Scripture, but that, something about that doesn't jive just right. Anybody been there? And they have a way of working the crowd and doing certain things where I think I have to check myself and say, where is that going? Is that really God? And it, it seems supernatural. It seems extraordinary. But something in, my, in me makes me go, Ooh, I don't know. Anybody ever been there? See, because I think, I think we all have a hunger for God to be above everything. I think we do, every one of us. I, I, I think we, 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 we want him not just to be, but to show himself to be above everything. It's one thing for him to be that. It's another thing for him to show that to us, to show that in us, 
to show that through us, right? And so I, I don't think we're sitting here in church today just because we, we want to kind of have this halfway experience with God that might be there, and sometimes he does things. And so I, I think we want to be a part of whatever it is he's doing. Am I right? I, I don't want to speak for me. I am. I think we also have this nudge at times to proceed cautiously. And rightfully so. We've seen some stuff that just doesn't make sense. And people who speak for God, who, 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 who fleece, a, uh, fleece a group of people because they can, and they can market really good, and they can speak really well, and they're really slick, and it seems really cool, and then all of a sudden you find out something, something's goofy, right? And you, and you, and you kind of want to step back. We don't want to be duped, do we? I mean, I don't want to, we don't want to be duped by some gifted person or ministry. Who knows how to manipulate, makes things look like God, but maybe really it's their own work. Or at the very least, maybe it's the gifting of God being used for selfish motivation and reasons, right? Because I want to be known, because I want to be seen, because I want to be heard, because I want to have money, because I want to have power, because I want to have whatever. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to say something several times today. I'll say this. Where God's grace and plan are embraced... God spiritually, supernaturally empowers his church for his mission. When we embrace the grace of God, when we embrace the plan of God, God's spirit goes to work among a group of people in a supernatural fashion to ensure that his mission gets accomplished. Are you hearing me? What do I mean by grace? Grace means you didn't earn it. Grace means it's because he's good, not because you are. What we experienced just a minute ago by praying for a couple guys wasn't because they're all that. It's because a God who is all that is working in their lives. Are you hearing me? And so when we embrace God's grace, when we begin to endeavor to find out what his plan is, God's spirit supernaturally arrives in that moment to say, listen, I'm going to add my blessing to this thing, and we're going to get something done that's beyond ordinary, that's beyond natural. We're going to do something extraordinary and supernatural to accomplish my mission, which is to change the whole world and bring people into the family of God that Patrick talked about at the beginning of service. And that's what we believe in. And so, like we've started every other message in this, this Spirit of Christmas uh, series, we're going to jump back to John chapter 1. And you'll find John chapter 1, verse 14, this is the message of Christmas. So the Word became human and made His home among us. He was full of unfailing love and faithfulness. Some translations translate unfailing love as grace, and some, some translate the word faithfulness as truth. And so God's, got a, God's, walking, God's offering grace, and he's offering truth, a plan. Are you hearing me? And so we've seen his glory, the glory of the Father's one and only Son. We want to walk in that glory of God, the God of, of, of Jesus, the God's one and only Son. I believe that from my heart. Now listen. When God birthed creation, it was by the power of the Holy Spirit. We, go, we went back to Genesis chapter 1, back the, the Sunday after Thanksgiving, and we talked about the power of God's Spirit, the collision of God's Word in that moment to make creation a reality, right? When Jesus was birthed, it was by the power of the Holy Spirit. We, we read in week 2 about Mary being overshadowed by the Holy Spirit and conceiving a child that we would call the Messiah, Jesus the Lord, that we would sing all sorts of songs about this time of year, of him, of him being born miraculously. 
And can I say this? He was birthed into humanity for several really important reasons. He was birthed to show us God and his glory. That's what the scriptures just told us. He was birthed that he might pour out grace to us and unveil truth to us. He was birthed to give us humans, check this out, the right to become children of God. And that takes a supernatural enablement, man. We're going to talk about that in just a minute. He, 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 he came to humanity, why? To give us the privilege of being witnesses for Him by His grace and through the power and the work of His Holy Spirit to accomplish His mission. That's what He came to do. When Jesus started His earthly ministry, it was by the power of the Holy Spirit. You can go read Matthew 3 and uncover that. Go check out verses 11 and maybe verse 16 and 17 to kind of, kind of unpack. I don't have time to do it. Can I say this? The whole life of Jesus was this empowerment of the Holy Spirit to do something significant to make sure the message and, and the, 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 the Word of God, the power of God was known to the human race. And He hasn't changed that mission yet. And when Jesus was birthed to resurrected life, after his death, it was by the power of the Holy Spirit. Listen to Romans 8, 11. The Spirit of God who raised Jesus from the dead, check these next words out, lives in you. Huh? Look at your neighbor and say, he's talking to you. Usually I'll make you take responsibility, but I think they need to know, like right now, like he's talking to you. The same spirit, the same power that raised Jesus from the dead, the same power that reversed death is resident right now in every person who said, Jesus, I will follow you. Who said, I embrace you as who you are. The one who, who was to come, the one who lives, the one who loves, the one who is not just an expression of God. You are God. You, you, I believe. And in that moment, the scriptures tell us when we believe something supernatural, all who call on the name of the Lord, they shall be saved. And that spirit comes to live on the inside of us. And Romans 8, 11 says, and just as God raised Christ from the dead, listen to this next line, He will give life to you in your mortal bodies. As you walk around this planet, the life of Jesus should be emanating from you. You shouldn't be walking around joyless. You shouldn't be walking around peaceless. You shouldn't be walking around hopeless. You shouldn't be walking around powerless. You should be walking around with all of those things. Why? Because the spirit that raised Jesus from the dead lives in you. And by the same spirit living within you, that kind of power. You see where God's grace and plan are embraced, God's power, God's spirit supernaturally empowers his church. That's not, a, that's not a building, that's a group of people, his church, to accomplish his mission. And my fear is we don't see enough of that. So, so see, we're birthed in the kingdom, I said this a minute ago, by the power of the Holy Spirit. The fact that any of you believe right now, the fact that any of you have a B.C. Time, timeline, anybody know what a B.C. timeline is? Before Christ. The fact that any of you are here right now and you say, man, I'm a different person. If, you, if you've got something back there that goes, I just shouldn't even be sitting here right now. 
Hey, if you got anything going, that, that was by that was not by some slick preacher sharing a word with you. It wasn't even necessarily. I mean, there was some instruments. God uses instruments. It wasn't just because you had a mama praying. It wasn't just because you know the right track fell on your lap. It was because the spirit of God reached into a dead heart and brought it back to life. Jesus is approached by a religious man in John 3 who's seeking out answers and trying to put pieces together. And his name's Nicodemus. And he asks Jesus a question like, we know what, what, what's going on supernaturally out of your life. You must be who you say you are. Explain to me a little bit better. In verse, eight, verse 5 of John 3, Jesus says these words, I assure you, no one can enter the kingdom of God without being born of water, being a human, right? And the Spirit. Humans can only reproduce human life. And there's the word only there. Only, as if it's less than. Are you getting me? No way. I love this. I told some guys I was meeting with yesterday morning. I love every place in Scripture there's a but. It's really important. It's only human life. But the Holy Spirit gives birth to spiritual life. There's an escalation there in those words. Can I say something to you? It matters not what your DNA is. I don't care who your parents were. I don't care where they came from. I don't care what happened to you in the, in the process of growing up. I don't care what bad choices you make. I don't care what you have a propensity towards addiction or, or gambling or lust or, or whatever. I, mean, I, don't, I don't care what kind of damage you've suffered. Listen, you may have been born humanly to human parents who could only produce a certain kind of human life. But because of this power of God's Spirit, you have the chance at new life. And powerful life, and not normal life, whatever normal's been to you, whatever normal was for you, it doesn't have to stay that way. Because your spiritual birth by the power of God's Spirit may have been subsequent to your birth naturally, but your spiritual birth supersedes your natural birth. There's no only attached to the spiritual side of birth, there's only an only attached to the human side of it. I don't care what you say. That's a good gift from Jesus right now for Christmas. You should grab a hold of that. He says, so don't be surprised when I say you must be born again. There's the dividing line. You can't be just be merely be religious. You can't just merely be legalistic. You can't just merely do good things. You can't just merely you know, give, you know, throw stuff in the Salvation Army pot when you walk in and out of the grocery store. You can't just merely, you know... Show up to church. You can't just, you have to have this, this moment where the grace of God overshadows your life, overtakes your life. And just like birthing Jesus on the inside of Mary, a new life began, a new life began in you. You must be born again. There is no other way to get to heaven. I know it's not PC right now to say this, but I'm going to say it anyway. It's not, it's, it, these are not just the holidays. This is Christmas on purpose. We call it Christ Mass on purpose. You know why? Because he said these words. I'm the only way. And I can make a case that in a lot of ways, you know, Jesus isn't born on December 25th. Does everybody know that? Or everybody gets anxious and super, you know, religious and like, hey, they're just trying to steal Christmas from us. Listen, Christmas was a festival of lights that Christians took and said, we're going we're gonna to find an opportunity for the gospel here. But the fact that we call it Christ Mass now means that we should take advantage of the moment to declare the gospel and bring him back to the center of it because he is life. There's no other way to get to heaven but through him. 
None, zero, zilch, nada. So you, you have to be born again. You, those are Jesus' words. Those are not mine. I'm not trying to be a hate monger from anything, but just declare the truth of the Scripture. Then the next verse, verse 8, he says, The wind blows wherever it wants. Just as you can hear the wind, blow, wind, but you can't tell where it's coming from or where it's going, you can't explain, listen to this verse, you can't explain how people are born of the Spirit. Can't figure it out. Some of you, can't, some of you still to this day, you've walked with us for a long time, you still can't explain exactly what happened to you when you got saved. And can I say something to you right now? That should never end. There should be facets of your life right now that are going on because the Holy Spirit's engaged in your life that are inexplicable. The people should go, what is, I don't even understand. How do they forgive like that? How how do they have joy when they're walking through such a horrible time? Did you hear her pray for lunch? That wasn't just like one of those rote prayers. There was something in that. I don't know what it was. Man, when they, when they slapped me a high five walking down the aisle at work the other day, something went on. I don't even know what happened. I just, something, when they spoke to me, something enlivened in my heart, and we weren't even, we were just having a normal conversation. It was like something got transferred from my life to their life. That ought to be normal. You know why? Because that's what you were birthed into. You were birthed supernaturally into the kingdom of God, and it is yet still supernatural, and it should be. And there should be evidence somehow, some way that, man, something's happening that really, though it, there's evidence to it, it can't be explained. And, 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 and we need to keep walking in that. Your supernatural birth is subsequent to, but always supersedes your natural birth. Always. And if you embrace God's plan, God's grace and God's plan, there will be a supernatural enablement because you're a part of His church it's for his mission. God wants to birth the miraculous into his followers. And that will be because of the power and the presence of his Holy Spirit. Jesus in John 14, 12 writes these words. Listen to these words. He, he speaks and John pins them down for us. We can have them. He says, I tell you the truth. Look at your neighbor and say, anyone. Anyone. That's, is any, I'll go back to you. The, 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 this word in the Greek, anyone means anyone. Drop some thick theology on you. Anyone is anyone. That means you, that means me. Anyone who believes me will do the same works I have done. Nicodemus comes to have a conversation with Jesus because he saw some things that were inexplicable in Jesus' life he wanted, Jesus life he wanted answers to. Jesus said, the same works that I did that provoked conversation from Nicodemus should be happening in the lives of anyone who follows me. Are you catching that? The same ones. And even greater works because I'm going to be with the Father. That's John 14, 12. You drop down about four verses and you start reading six. Why is that true? He says, because I will ask the Father. He'll give you another advocate who will never leave you. He is the Holy Spirit who leads into all truth. The world cannot receive him because it isn't looking for him. It doesn't recognize him. Now listen to these words. But you know him because he lives with you now. And later, he will be in you. The guys he's talking to right now are the guys we would later call the apostles. They would... 
preached certain things. Acts chapter 2 would call that the apostles' doctrine. And we just sang a song on the screen that's more familiarly known as the Apostles' Creed. Okay? And we said, I believe. We sang songs. I believe in you. I believe in the name of Jesus. Jesus would tell these same guys in this same context, you could ask anything in my name, and I'll give it to you. Those are powerful words, man. Huh? Ask anything, and I'll give it to you. This right here, we talked about, I, I believe in God the Father. I believe in Christ the Son. I believe in the Holy Spirit, three in one. Right here in verses 16 and 17, there's a perfect argument for this idea of this one God we know in three persons. Jesus says, I will ask the Father. And many times, Jesus looked at his disciples and said, I and the Father are one. But somehow they're separate. I don't get it completely. God is one, but he's a community, and I don't completely understand how it works. But right here he says, I'll ask the Father, and the Father will give you another advocate. He says, whoever leads you, he is the Holy Spirit who leads in the truth, right? He says, but you know him because he lives with you now. Who is with them now? Jesus. And he said, this same God who's with you now will later be in you the Holy Spirit would be at work. How are you going to do greater works than what Jesus did? It's going to be because you are a part of a body of Christ who, who operates supernaturally by the gifts of the Holy Spirit. That doesn't mean all of us are able to do everything Jesus did. That's impossible. God will share his glory with no one. But check this out. Because we're a part of a body, we should be seeing the same kinds of things that Jesus did because he didn't stop doing them. He didn't change. He said those words. I didn't say it. He didn't say just apostles. He said anyone who believes in me, the works that I did, greater those works and even greater what they do. Are you catching that? Because I think we still think that somehow there's this elitist group of people who God gets to work through. And, 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 and it's not, can I say this? The Holy Spirit's personal power is available, but it's about every believer being a minister of the gospel and working for the kingdom and God doing amazing and crazy things in their life. They're inexplicable, so he gets glory and other people's lives change. And that is the message of Christmas. God would take a couple of just nobodies from Nazareth and he would birth something supernatural in their lives that we're still singing about two millennia later. And God doesn't intend for that to change. He wants to birth something in your home. He wants to birth something out of this group of people that leaves the world going, what in the world just happened? That brings him honor and brings him glory. He wants that for you. He wants that for me. He wants that for church tea. And that's a great rhyme. I Somebody said, pin that down. If you're tweeting, maybe have at that. I don't know. See, because we're God's grace and plan are embraced. God's Spirit supernaturally enables His church for His mission. And it's been that way. It will never change. When the mission of His church was birthed, it was by the power of the Holy Spirit. Acts 1.8 reads like this, but you'll receive power. He's talking to the same guys he was talking to in John, 4, John 12, 14, wherever it was. I just read to you. My brain's moving faster. My lips can keep up. And you will be my witnesses, telling people about me everywhere, in Jerusalem, through Judea, and Samaria, to the ends of the earth. And so they grab a hold of this thought from Jesus. And that's in Acts 1.8. Acts 2, you find these words. On the day of Pentecost, all the believers were meeting together in one place. Suddenly there was a sound from heaven like the roaring of a mighty windstorm. And it filled the house where they were sitting. 
Then what looked like flames or tongues of fire appeared and said on each of them, something wasn't normal here. Oh, what's going on? And everyone present was filled with the Holy Spirit. He that was with you shall be in you, right? He's fulfilling his own prophecy and began speaking other languages as the Holy Spirit gave them this ability. And we weird out at those words sometimes. But it happened supernaturally, and I don't think he's changed. I think sometimes our application of what he has been doing gets altered and skewed a little bit. But this is what happened when God birthed this church. We shouldn't weird out when words like speaking in tongues shows up. It's in the Bible, people. Now, people have misused it. I'm not going to lie about that. And Peter would stand up, the guy who denied Jesus. Couldn't stand for anything. Suddenly, a supernatural work takes place in Peter's life. He, when he couldn't stand up to a mere little servant girl, suddenly something happens supernaturally in Peter's life. He's birthed a new life. And when he, when he was fearful even to say anything around a fire, to end, just this little one person who would say something, he stands up in front of thousands and begins to preach the gospel. And he says words like this, God raised Jesus from the dead, and we are all witnesses of this. He's fulfilling the prophecy Jesus gave in Acts 1.8. You'll be my witnesses, and you'll start in Jerusalem. Guess where he happens to be? In Jerusalem. Now he's exalted a place of highest honor in heaven at God's right hand. And the Father, as he had promised, so he's talking about Jesus, he's talking about the Father, now he's turning the corner, he's going to talk about the Holy Spirit, here we go, that whole theology thing's happening. And the, Father, he, and, and the Father, as he had promised, gave him the Holy Spirit to pour out upon us, just as you see and hear today. Yes! Yes! And he would later say, this gift of the Holy Spirit isn't just for us. It's for you and anyone who will believe on, on, on him because of our message. As the apostles, he anticipates that God's going to do something supernatural through a group of people that is inexplicable. I know the application sometimes is off. And I struggle with certain things I find in Scripture and how the body of Christ applies it. But can I say this? This is what happened. God said it. He didn't say, I'm changing the plan or the program or the paradigm. Let's keep rolling. Basically what he says. See, where God's grace and plan or embrace God's spirit supernaturally and empowers the church for his mission. I want to quote somebody. There's this guy named Andy Wilson, Andrew Wilson. He pastors more of what we call a traditional church in, in, in the U.K. And he writes these words. Listen to these words. The early church was a charismatic community. What is he saying? He's, he's talking about, we, we talk about a charismatic church. We talk about a church that, that, that allows the gifts of the Holy Spirit to work, right? He says these words. The church was a charismatic community. Of that, there can be no doubt. From the day of Pentecost onward, the book of Acts is a story of Holy Spirit breakthrough. Speaking in other languages, prophesying, healing, casting out demons, angelic encounters, miraculous prison breaks, visions, dreams, evangelistic preaching, buildings shaking, the dead being supernaturally brought to life, and on occasion, the living being supernaturally brought to death. Boldness in the face of persecution. Joy. And for all of you guys who watch Ancient Aliens on the History Channel. And even one story of teleportation. It's in the book of Acts. The blueprint about how God said, this is how my church functions. I'm going to write a history down about how I started it because I want you to know how I think it ought to operate. Are you hearing me? 
Can I say this? If God's going to birth something in us, and I mean that for you as an individual, and I mean that for me as an individual, and I mean that for us as a church triumphant, as a corporate body of believers, it's going to be by the power of the Holy Spirit. So let me address an issue here really quick. There's two veins of thought in in the body of Christ. There's what we call continuism and cessationism. Continue, a continuous believes this, that the gifts of the Spirit have continued to this present age, i.e., God works supernaturally among and through His people. Okay? Specifically those sometimes called sign gifts, such as tongues and prophecies. Those things still, a cessation, a continuous believes that. A cessationist believes those gifts and outpouring of the Spirit cease at the end of apostolic age. That's a belief. Like that was for then, that's not, not now, blah, blah, blah. Okay? I want to say something and I want to be as loud and as bold as I can be about it. Your pastor is a continuist. Okay? I got some real issues of how some of the, how, how, how the way the church of the body of Christ applies and carries out certain things that I just read. I'll give you that. But I absolutely believe with all my guts that God is a supernatural God who works supernaturally through His church. He gave the Holy Spirit on purpose to His church so that, so that the amazing work of the gospel could be accomplished, not by mere human uh, working, but by supernatural, heavenly-type stuff taking place here on earth. I absolutely believe that. And there are certain veins of thought that would say that's not true, and blah, 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 blah. And, and they, they use, maybe use, I think they use a, a piece of Scripture from 1 Corinthians 1 Corinthians 13, badly, because he does say, where there's tongues, they'll cease, where there's prophecies, they'll cease, where there's blah, blah, blah. And he says, when that which is perfect has come, people say, well, we got the Bible, that's what's perfect, but the context doesn't incline, he's talking about the Bible at all. He says, we know in part, we, 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 now we see through a glass, darkly, dimly, but then we'll see face to face. He's not talking about a book coming in its perfection, he's talking about Jesus showing back up and us not needing that supernatural stuff anymore because the supernatural one's standing in front of us. I'm just saying. And, and if you think for a minute that maybe that happened, let me quote you some, some what more traditional churches would call the church fathers and what they have to say about this. Anyone, anyone hear that? Justin Martyr. And I'll give you some context. If, if the gifts of the Spirit ceased during the apostolic age, here's what happened. They believed when the last apostle died, those things ceased. That would put us at about A.D. 110. John the apostle who wrote the book of Revelation dies around that time, we think. They were pretty sure. Okay? Justin Martyr, AD 160, 50 years after the last apostle walked the planet. Are you hearing me? For the prophetical gifts remain with us, even to the present time. And hence, you ought to understand that the gifts, he's talking to some Jewish people, formerly among your nation have been transferred to us. I love the word of warning. Now he says this. There's a reason for caution around all this. As just as there were false prophets contemporaneous with your holy prophets, so there are now many false teachers amongst us of whom our Lord forewarned us to be worse. So he said, look, there, I get it. There's some things that make it, ooh, I don't know if that's God or not. He's like, I get it. Right? You hear what I'm saying? But he's saying just because there are some who would misuse it doesn't mean we throw it out. Are you hearing that? And they're still present among him, among where he was at, in A.D. 160, 50 years after the last apostle died, he said that we still have them. They're still functioning among us. 
Okay, so let's move forward. How about Tertullian of Carthage? Let's move on another 50 or 60 years in the future, AD 208. He said, let Marshawn, I'll explain who he is in just a minute, then exhibit as gifts of his God some prophets, such as not spoken by human sense, but with the Spirit of God, such as both predicted things to come and have been and made manifest the secrets of the heart. Now here's the idea. Marshawn was this guy who went around saying that the God of the Old Testament was not the God of the New Testament. Okay, that's what he was saying. Two different, two different things, two different entities at work. Okay, and so he's refuting this false prophet that we just talked about, Justin Martyr talking about, right? Okay, he says, so let him produce a psalm. He's talking about Marshawn, this guy, Marshawn. Right? Let him produce a psalm, a vision, a prayer. Only let it be by the Spirit in an ecstasy that is in a rapture, wherever an interpretation of tongues has occurred to him. Let him show to me also that any woman of boastful tongue in his community has ever prophesied from amongst those specifically holy sisters of his. And he goes on to say, now all these signs, talk about spiritual gifts, God empowering his church to do the work of the mission, right? Are forthcoming from my side, our side of the equation, those of us who believe rightly what the scriptures say, they come out 200 years after Jesus. They come out on my side without any, degree, any difficulty. They agree, too, with the rules and the dispensations and the instructions of the Creator. Why is that important? Because God's been doing something supernatural from the time this thing started. Are you getting me? From the time he spoke into nothing and created everything, he is supernatural. He's beyond ordinary. He does things just because he can. Because he's good. Right, okay, next one. Let's move on. Let me, can we, you got any more for me? Okay, let's move another 50 years in the future. Let's go to origin of Alexandria. Listen to what he says. We have to say, moreover, that the gospel has a demonstration of its own, more divine than established by any Grecian dialects. And this diviner method is called by the apostle the demonstration of the spirit and of power. Of the spirit on account of the prophecies, which are sufficient to produce faith in anyone who reads them, especially in those things which relate to Christ, and of power because of the signs and wonders which we must believe to have been performed both on many other grounds and on this, that traces of them are still preserved among those who regulate their lives by the precepts of the gospel. Are you tracking with me so far? So if cessationism is a real doctrine we ought to apply today, then these church fathers are heretics. Are you hearing me? Well, this guy named Basil the Great, listen to what he says. A little, little, little long after origin of Alexander. The, through the re rebirth from above, the, the Spirit enlightens all, inspires prophets, gives wisdom to lawmakers, consecrates priests, empowers kings, perfects the just, exalts the prudent, is active in, is, is active in gifts of healing, gives life to the dead, frees those in bondage, and turns foreigners into adopted sons. Is that awesome or what? You talk about a Christmas present. The presence of the Holy Spirit bringing life to those who have none. We ought to be the bearers of that life. We ought to be the distributors of that life. We have been adopted as sons and daughters. God gave us an inheritance called His Holy Spirit that He says, listen, utilize my giftings. Utilize the things I've entrusted you and do it for my glory. Do it for my mission. Do it because my love is 
penetrating your heart and do something significant that leaves the world guessing what in the world is going on. That's awesome, man. See where God's grace and plan are embraced, God's spirit absolutely supernaturally empowers his church for his mission. I believe that with every fiber of my being. So how, how do we, how do you and I, how do we get there? Good question. Thanks for asking. Jesus begins his ministry in Matthew 3. And then around Matthew 5, he preaches one of the best, probably the best message ever preached. It's called the Sermon on the Mount. Heard a preacher say recently when Jesus, when Jesus preaches the message on the Sermon on the Mount, he, he, he's, he's basically declaring this, things have changed. Things are different now because I'm uttering these words to you. And he makes this proclamation. God blesses those who are poor and realizes their need for him. For the kingdom of heaven is theirs. Let those words sink in. Because we've, we've relegated the, the usage of spiritual gifts to people who know things. People who have a lot of natural talent, who have a lot of education with lots of letters behind their names. We, we've relegated all this thing about the kingdom of heaven and the work of the mission of the church to some certain amount of professional people who, who, who and he says, no, blessed are those who are impoverished. And there's an application to natural, physical poverty but there's a very much a deeper thing of those who realize without Jesus, I am nothing. I'm nothing. Because in all sincerity, no matter how much we have, compared to God's sins, we're all poor. I mean, this is true, right? I don't have it. You don't have it. We can't make it happen. God blesses those who mourn, for they will be comforted. Looking for the right time. Well, you know, my life's a mess right now. God really can't. You, listen, you may be mourning. You may be in grief. You may be in some kind of difficulty. But listen, in that moment, God would, would, would give you a dose of something supernatural that makes the world go, what's going on there? In fact, if you're in a difficult situation, what greater place for Jesus to show himself to be above the natural? Right? God blesses those who are humble. For they will inherit the whole earth. God blesses those who hunger and thirst. New Living Translation says justice. Most other translations say righteousness. Those who just hunger to be right with God. For they will be satisfied. Other translations say they will be filled. Why is where are those things important? Because if you keep reading in context all the way down through Matthew 5, Jesus gets to this point where he looks at his guys, all the people listening to him, he goes, you're supposed to be the salt of the earth. You're to be the light shining on a hill. 
And if you, ex- if you walk in this kind of character towards me, that unleashes me to fill your life with so many crazy things that suddenly the works that I, in the same way, let your good deeds shine out. Let your works, several translations say. There should be in the train of the movement of the people of God this idea that God is among us, that there's a certain character trait attributed to us because of his presence and his spirit, but that also there are actions emanating out from that that go, that make people glorify God. Do you understand that, what he's saying? And so I would say this, as we get ready to move through the rest of the the, the Christmas season, I want you to think about this supernatural God that we declare the amazing supernatural work of him. A virgin born. Has a son born, right? I almost said a virgin born to a virgin. That seems stupid. The God works supernaturally to do that. And on the flip side of the equation, he works very naturally. You know what he did? He dropped it in Caesar's heart to have a census. Very natural. Hey, have a census. And, and God messed with the whole world schedule. Everybody in the known world has got to pack up what they're doing, leave their stuff, and head back to the town they emanate from. That seemed very, you know, that's, just, that's what governments do. Just, nobody knew that God naturally was working over and above everything else and made something happen. So this little passage of Scripture in the, in the Hebrew Old Testament would go, Blessed are you, Bethlehem of Epaphra, for out of you will come one who will rule over my nation Israel. Isn't that crazy? you got the supernatural and natural working hand in hand, and God does that over and over and over again. He orders steps naturally for people, and he puts people in certain places because he wants them to be a conduit for the supernatural work of God to go into a dark world. So listen to me. I'm going to wrap this up maybe. First thing, be real about you, recognizing there's no power in you. Your resume doesn't matter. Because we think at times... That we've got to have this certain thing before God can use us. And some of us think, well, I've done all this and that. God ought to use me, doggone. People ought to be paying attention. The, the word grace is implanted in this message over and over again on purpose. Because we start in grace, we end in grace, we'll end up at grace. When we get to heaven, it'll be all that, all the time, every place. The gifts of the Holy Spirit, check this out. We, we, we get the word, gifts of the Holy Spirit from the, the Greek word charismata, who ha, that has the base word charis which is the word grace which means you can't earn it you can't be spiritual enough to get them god just gives them out when he wants to are you hearing me not because you're all that in a bag of chips not because you pray and fast all the time not because you do all this other stuff not because you tithe like you're supposed to not because you you know you sing the song when you lift your hands and you sweat and you spit not because of all that but because he's just good and he just wants to use broken vessels that's why he does what he does so you're gonna be real about you and with that, you're going to let your, your difficulty, wherever you are right now, to be an occasion for his comfort to erupt supernaturally. Whatever's going on. And then you're gonna, the next thing you're going to do, you're just going to be and remain humble. Like if God starts doing something awesome, don't ever, forget, don't, 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 don't ever forget it was him and it wasn't you. 
Don't ever forget that, like, you know, I, you know, and this happened, and I get that. And we, no, you didn't do nothing. You just happened to be at the right place at the right time. Got word of your steps and said, hey, speak for me, son. And, he, and you did. You know what that makes you equivalent to? I almost said a bad word. My kids and I were having this conversation about words in King James we're not allowed to use today. You should go do a study of that. There are certain words, if I quoted the King James, King James Version of the Bible, some of you get really mad at me for saying those words. But they're in there. I almost said one of them. You know what? God used me. I got to speak for him. That makes you equivalent to that of a donkey. Go read the Old Testament. Way to go. Woo! Proud of you. Way to go, baby. Huh? God said this. Hunger for God more than anything else. Sat in this room a couple months ago and had somebody say, you know, when I came associated with Church Triumphant several years ago, I didn't know anything about any of this. But I just said this. God, if you've got something for me, I just want it. If you want to do something new in my life, you want to pour out something good, I just want it. Whatever you have, I just want it. Whatever, whatever you're doing, I want to be a part of. Just whatever. I don't, I'm not going to put any prerequisites on you. I'm not going to do it. I just want whatever you have. And I think if you do that, you let your willingness and you just say, God, I'm just going to yield to you. I'm going to yield to your spirit. I'm going to pay attention to what you say. And I'm just going to try and follow you. I'm just going to do that. I'm just going to listen. I think your willingness will grow and it'll become more like passion rather than just willingness. And there's a the difference. And that will proceed into an idea of obedience, which emanates from this heart of repentance that I don't have it all together. My life doesn't make sense without you, and I need to turn from what I think is right and what I think is natural and what I think is normal, and I need to turn towards you. And so this idea of repentance never gets away from us, and we have to live there. That's why he says you've got to be humble and thirst. And that, should, and that idea should keep growing until it encompasses every part of our lives. I just believe that. If there's one part of your life you've told God he can't enter into, that's probably the part he wants to work in. And, your whole, and the Holy Spirit's calling out to you right now and saying, you know there's more. You know there's more. You know you're weary. You know you're tired. You know you're frustrated. You know you're messed up. You know you can't figure it out. You know you're, you, you keep making the same mistakes over again. You know you're addicted. You know you're this. You know you're bitter. You know you're, you know, you, you know you're unforgiving. You know that. And, and the Holy Spirit's working in that area. Listen, the reason you feel depleted right now is because you're not being humble and you're not hungering for God more than you want to be right or you want to have your stuff or, or whatever. And that's why the, whole, the overflowing work of the Holy Spirit probably isn't happening for you right now because you're, just, you're not living in, in, in conjunction with the, the Beatitudes. Because he promises us if we hunger and thirst, we'll be filled, right? That's what he says, not what I say. I want us to pray. I think Patrick's going to come and play a song for us. He was... Jay was going to, but Jay's kind of under the weather. I want you to think about your life, and I just want you to yield yourself to the Lord. We were praying this morning, and I think this fits right now. We were praying this morning, and Greg felt like he was, we were praying, and God didn't give him understanding as to who, who it was, but just felt like there was a couple walking in the back doors this morning. And their motions were very robotic. 
They were just doing what they do. They weren't experiencing life, and they weren't experiencing hope. They, weren't, they were just, they were showing up, and they were just doing their thing. And they weren't free to let God do what he wanted to in and through their lives. I already prayed for one person this morning, kind of shared this, but I'll pray it again. I, I have this little dog. He's a shih tzu at our house, and sometimes he likes stairs, and sometimes he doesn't. And as I was praying this morning, I, I just saw somebody being stuck at one level of steps. And the guy was like, today's the day you take another step. Today's the day you, take a, you, 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 you come up closer to where I want you to be. Today's the day. Just take one more step. Because sometimes I have to coerce my dog. He's lazy. And I have to go, come on, dude. And he knows he can climb the steps. He just don't want to. He just sit there and look at you and bark and growl and just look at you. I'm like, dude, I'm not coming down there to get you. Move. Come on. And I feel like the Spirit of God saying to somebody in here today, like, listen, you know there's more than what you have. I need you to take the next step up. Just take the next step up. Somebody's going to sing a song. And I just want you, if any of that's you, I just want, I want you to just to, 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 the Bible says if we hunger and thirst after righteousness, we will be filled, right? I want you to stand, and, and Patrick sang about this. He, he kind of indicated as he was closing up worship. He said, we just we got to be empty, right? So right now, maybe there's some things you got to empty yourself of. Maybe you got to empty yourself with some frustration. Maybe you got to empty yourself with some religious thinking. Maybe you got to empty yourself with some stuff. And So, Father, in this moment, we just yield ourselves to you. God, look at us and Help us to see, God, there's more in you than we've experienced yet. And that, God, the, the best days aren't behind us. God, the greatest days are still yet ahead because one day we'll see you face to face. And in the meantime, you've got your glory you want to display to the world. And you're just looking for people to be that for you, to be available for you to do that. And so, Jesus... Search us and know us. God, those who are in difficulty, I pray you'd supernaturally comfort and enable them right now in this moment. For those who know they, they're not where they need to be, their work and their, their life for you is just robotic or whatever, pour your grace and your mercy in there, God, and break the chains off of them. God, pour out your spirit. You promise us if there's a hungry people, you'll pour out your spirit on us. So, God, we're hungry trust you to be who you are. Lord, you're good. And we love you. Thanks for listening to the CT Podcast, a ministry of Church Triumphant, another opportunity for you to be equipped and encouraged to win, disciple, and send. For further information, go to www.churchtea.org.